0: Welcome to View from the C-Suite, where we have candid conversations with female executives about key business challenges, career advice, and more. This series is brought to you by Wong Duty, the global experience and design unit for Infosys. I'm Skylar Matson, your host and president of Wong Duty. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to our global audience tuning in. Welcome to the second episode of View from the C Suite Women Leaders in Conversation. I'm Skylar Matson, President of Wong Duty, the global experience and design provider for Infosys. I am so excited for this episode, and we have a couple of ways that you can interact with our conversation. The first is via Twitter, and if you use the hashtag #WomenEmpower, that's #Empower, we will be able to comment on your posts. The second is through the Q&A feature right here in Zoom. We're gonna leave about 15 minutes to answer some of your questions live. So please join in. Today we're talking about leading through change, 2020. (sighs) Certainly a year we were forced to react to intense external changes, which affected nearly every aspect of our lives, affected nearly every aspect of business. And as we head into 2021, I mean, we've started 2021, I find myself thinking a lot about coping with change, supporting my team as best I can through change, and even thriving during change because it might be here to stay for a while. I'm honored to be joined by two insightful and inspiring C suite leaders who have navigated changes in business and throughout their careers. The first is Summa Nalapati, the Chief Digital Officer of DISH Network. Prior to joining DISH, Summa was Colorado's Secretary of Technology, responsible for shaping IT innovation for the state government. She has a master's degree in nuclear physics, we will touch on this, and has been named one of the top 50 most powerful women in technology and CIO of the year. Wow, Suma, it is so great to have you here, thank you. I also welcome Ronalee Sarati Bayani, Chief Marketing Officer for the Los Angeles Rams. Go Rams! She's responsible for defining the Rams brand, shaping the modern entertainment experience. Ronalee has previously led marketing and digital advancement for huge brands like Hershey's, Visa. She has an MBA from Stanford and worked around the world in Japan, South Africa, and the Philippines. So amazing. Ronalee, thank you, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Today's topic is incredibly important for a few reasons. I mean, the first, pretty obviously, there's been a lot of change in the world lately, so it's very relevant. The second is that getting it right, doing it well, has direct implications on business success. A research has shown that less successful change management has a clear negative fiscal impact. And third, Despite how important it is, despite how critical to business it is, it's really hard. McKinsey research shows that the majority of change management initiatives fail. But today, today we're going to flip that. Rather than discuss why changes fail, we're going to talk about how they succeed. And one of the keys to success is really tuning in to how people, the people who are affected the most, feel about change. And generally, people fall into one of three groups. There's this small group of early adopters. These are your best friends. They're they're game for the change. They're invested with their hearts and their minds. Then there's this second group. This group's pretty large. And they don't buy in right away, but they can probably be convinced that change can work if they see some small wins along the way, if they understand how it might benefit them. And then there's a third group, also smaller, and they're pretty resistant to change. They're probably not going to go along with you at all. So, Suma, does this resonate with your experience? And I'm interested to know how you've convinced that middle group, that large group who's pretty skeptical, to embrace change and to go along with you. Uh,
1: Again, pandemic 2020, um, change is the constant in our lives, right? It's, it's a totally different world from even 2019. And every day we are finding out new things about how to handle the pandemic. Do, do the vaccinations work? Um, do they work for the new virus strain? Do they work for this category of people? So we are dealing with a lot of uncertainty, right? And that's, um, that's what we are living in. So I think embracing change is the only way to deal with it, in my mind. And I'll give an example. Um, I was in the uh, public sector, as Kyler mentioned. And if you think about it, right, government is known to be slow. And, and again, there's a lot of uh, myths surrounding that, but there's a reason why government is slow, because there's like regulation, there's uh, a lot of um, re- uh, restrictions around how you spend people's money. It's hard-earned tax dollars. All those things are considerations when you think about change. And, um, when I was at State, we had this 30-year-old DMV system, right? All the jokes about DMV, I know. I mean, it's it's uh, quite interesting when you think about it, right? Um, the clerks at the DMV, uh, they're used to doing um, things a certain way. Like They are so used to that system of record for um, your title registration or your driver's uh, um, license, all of that. The keystrokes, they, they, they absolutely know how to do it, and so they don't want to change. Um, So we had to introduce a cloud technology in the DMV at the state. And the amount of resistance that I met was quite intense and significant. And the only way I could lead to that kind of a change was through empathy. Um, Leaders need to ground themselves in empathy of, you know, you are convinced, awesome, great. But how do you convince the people that are impacted on a daily basis? You sit in the sweet seat, you sign the contract and you said, go make it happen, right? And that's not how change um, is manifested in a, in a proper way. I sat down with the Turks. and asked them what their issues were. Why were they so resistant to change? Uh, why were they so against the system? And the big, you know, the three categories that you mentioned, Skylar, actually the third group are still friends with me because they are the ones that uh, we walk through all the steps, right? It's easy to deal with the cheerleaders and the people that are like, hey, let's go do it, right? But the third category is people that have talked to all the implications of the change. And once they're convinced, they're your best friends. And the best friends for life in the sense, they are the ones who go to the next group of uh, registers and say, hey, actually it works, right? So um, I think um, leading leading with empathy, leading with understanding, and leading with curiosity is critical in, uh, in effective change management.
0: I completely agree with that. And I love your strategy of actually sitting down with people and talking to them about how their day goes and really understanding. I mean, you have to really dig into that to understand how they're going to be affected and to try to, I mean, to be empathetic, you, you really need to understand their reality. How did you get to this strategy? Was there something along your career path that led you to this? I mean, it's, it's a really smart approach. Yep. And for me,
1: um, again, uh, coming to the United States was a big change, right? And I was doing my master's degree in nuclear physics and I was uh, my specialization was in radiation physics and isotope technology. And I was so intent on getting my nuclear medicine going and working with cancer patients and all of that. And and then I came to the United States, got married to a person that I met like a week uh, before getting married. That's a, a story for a different day. We'll talk about it in detail. So that was changed, right? <laughs> and, you know, coming to a different country with a man that you just met and and then having to uh, pursue a career in a country that uh, I didn't understand all the nuances of. So all that was changed. And I was like, I can deal with it in two ways. I can deal with it with, uh, here or I can deal with, deal with it as take each moment as it comes. So for me, switching from, I, um, I landed in Denver and there was not many nuclear medicine um, careers at that time. So... I'm not going to just sit around for that to happen so uh, for my career to take off so i was like i will pursue a degree uh, my, my degree was in electronics and computer science so i'm like let me start something there and um again open opening myself to possibilities in, a, in an area that um i was not the most comfortable with um, and change is all about that right dealing with uncertainty dealing with the discomfort of not knowing the next step um, and i in my 25 years in IT and I'm so grateful and I'm going to go back to my kids once my kids are settled, um, but me, that personal journey of resilience, of being open to possibilities, being open to you know, the, uh, the different pros and cons of each situation, helped me uh, deal with the people that are dealing with change and uncertainty with a lot of uncertainty.
0: Wow, I think that being open to possibilities and allowing yourself to feel uncomfortable and be okay with that, most of the best changes do not come without some discomfort in your personal life or in your professional career. Yeah. And sort of leaning into that and welcoming that, um, you have to be brave, but I think that it leads to really great things. We're gonna come back to a little bit more about your career path because it's it's so interesting. But Ronali, I wanna shift to you and I'm so interested because you've worked in so many different countries around the world and how you navigate change in different cultures, both in the cultures around the world in different countries and the cultures within companies, even companies in the same state can have remarkably different cultures. How do you, how do you balance that culture and change?
2: It's an interesting question. I think the first step is recognizing that wherever you step in, you're the outsider. Right. Um, And there's nothing wrong with that. But acknowledging that um, helps me to put myself in a frame of mind that says, hey, I'm stepping into a world that already exists. They have certain norms. There's certain ways of doing things. There's certain expectations and behaviors. And the best that um, we can do is to step in eyes wide open, knowing that we don't know and um and being okay with that because i think that's so incredibly important you know i always say um the biggest disappointments in our life are when expectations aren't met right and so when you know you're walking into a new culture be it a new company which always has their own distinct culture or as big as a new country I think my expectations are to be so open and to be aware that everything has existed before I ever stepped in.
1: Mm.
2: And it's so important to understand that frame of mind and to accept it first and foremost, because then as you go in, you can be a sponge. And adapting and fitting into culture and then being able to influence culture starts with understanding. Very similar to what Sumo was talking about, you know, um, putting yourself in someone else's shoes. Well, that's exactly what you're doing, right? You're learning what it is um, that happens around you, why it happens around you, um, what motivates people around you. And it's always different. Mm-hmm. and I think being open to that and saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to soak it all in for a while, but not lose yourself in the process. I think one of the key things is sometimes we soak it up so much and we're trying to fit in, but it's not about trying to fit in. It's about trying to understand the context that we're in and then finding our own place in there. And what that means is having a grounded sense of self and self-awareness, because ultimately we're all individuals. And the last thing you want to do is to fit right in and in, in the way where you're no longer bringing what was uniquely you to the table. Mm-hmm. And that's a fine balance earlier in my life. Um, personally and professionally, I struggled with that. Right. Um, because you think, wow, you're pushing too much or, um, am I losing too much of myself and trying to blend in? And there's no right answer. Like I can't give you a formula. Um, but what I can say is the empathy is so critically important. And at the center of it all is humanity, right? We're all people. We all aspire for things we all want to see good happen and there's good in everyone we just all come about it in different ways because we're all unique Mm -hmm. and so embracing that and celebrating that you know it's very much um relevant to what's happening today you know um diversity and inclusion is so important now um it always has been but it's definitely much more poignant in conversation and business today but the beauty of that is more about the distinctiveness that each of us as human being brings to the table when you think about different cultures and the beauty of that is the the melding of all those things of the differences but also in a way that celebrates the similarities that culture brings to the table right it is the the intangible that's around us Mm -hmm. that unites us that brings us together in some way shape or form and it's different everywhere and there's beauty in every culture and trying to unlock that celebrate that embrace that and then harness it in a way um, where you can bring yourself to the table is is kind of the magic center that um, I think we all strive for when we step into new cultures.
0: I love that assessment and how lucky for you to have been able to experience so many different cultures around the world. I mean, this reminder that everybody has such a unique perspective to bring, but then at the end of the day, we're all human. And many of us have the same fears and the same wants and sort of grounding your approach in that I could imagine has been really successful. I'm wondering if there was ever a time where a certain approach to coming in worked really well with one culture. And then you were in a completely different company in a different country. And you thought, I'm going to try this approach again. And it did not work just because things were so different within that organization. Has that ever happened? All the time.
2: (laughs) I mean, look, it's a trial and error, right? In the sense of Again, every place is different. Um, You know, I'm a a fairly straightforward kind of person. Um, You know, I don't have the poker face. This is me, you know, day in and day out. And um, I remember when I was younger, I lived in Japan. And um, there are different roles and expectations for folks. And coming in as a woman, as a strong woman, um, into... um, the table i was a teacher at the time and uh i remember um i'm the most junior person in the room i'm a woman in the room and one of the male teachers says okay you can you can pour tea for everyone and i looked at him and i go what do you mean <laughs> and i go you can pour tea as well <laughs> and, um you know but again that was me being naive and it wasn't for me it was about wow like i'm a woman we're equal and for him it was a way of also just welcoming me to the table right okay i get to meet everyone i get to be a part of it and not understanding that there was more to it from a cultural standpoint um, uh, was something that i like had to adapt to now over time we, we struck a balance of okay i am a woman, I have, I believe in, in equality um, and, and at the same time bringing that culture to the table because that was part of why I was there, while also accepting the beauty of the shared experiences and the values associated with how much women are respected, mm-hmm. right? And, and that they are the center and the glue that brings the team together. And so... You know, being able to look at both sides and um, while I may not have recognized it at first, to peel the onion, Mm. understand that what may come across on the surface as very different underneath may mean so much more. And without peeling that onion, I would miss the beauty of what the intent was Mm -hmm. in so much of the cultural exchange.
0: I think there's a lot to understand in intent, especially in different cultures. And I think that something you said might strike a nerve with some of the women on this call. I mean, these types of scenarios happen even when it's not a cultural thing, like the pouring of the tea, like the bringing people together. I'm reminded of a woman on my team who is very senior and very competent, who was handed a pen, please take notes. She wasn't there to take notes in the meeting. She was there to run the meeting. What advice do you have for women in their careers when they are every day still facing these types of circumstances?
2: You know, I always say in every moment, we have an opportunity to open someone's eyes. Every interaction, every gesture, every response. And so in those moments, you know, I think it's about being polite right like it's not about um being so in your face that people don't hear you but acknowledging actually thank you very much but i'm here to leave this meeting i appreciate it would you like to go ahead and take notes or you know pass it on to someone else i think there's there's a variety of different ways but acknowledging is very important and acknowledging in a way that is heard is even more important because I'm okay with, hey, sometimes things happen if it's an opportunity to learn. Because how else are people going to learn if they don't know? Yeah. And you can't hold it against people if no one's ever told them how or what or, or any of that, right? Or, you know, I always say I've made many mistakes in my career, but like, As long as I don't keep making them and I learn from them, then I'm okay with that, right? And so if you flip that a little bit and say, "Wow, I've been on the receiving end many times of that, but if I can use this as an opportunity to educate so that it becomes more conscious for folks in the future, then I've done my part to help.
0: Progress things forward for women, right? Instead of getting angry, I'm going to take a deep breath, and I'm going to explain <laughs> why I will not be taking notes in this meeting. Professionally, of course. So I, I want to sense, to sense of humor,
1: right About right? that's the other thing. Um, it just
0: gets so
1: tense.
0: Your audio is a little bit muffled there, and I really want everybody to catch what you said. I said um, it's important to have a sense of humor.
1: Oh, my gosh. All of these, right? It just makes the environment a little bit light, but you can see that the message is
0: less. Sense of humor, so important. I completely agree. I really do. Um, Suma, I want to talk a little bit about data and and the role data and technology can play in change. I mean, it's interesting. In business, we pay so much attention to data and analytics from our customers, but we're not in the habit of using data from our employees that might help drive change um harvard business review suggests that companies should use data more effectively to implement change and measure engagement and track how well things are going has that played a role for you have you used data and technology um either with the state government um in your role at dish to help drive a change initiative oh your audio again i'm sorry to interrupt but i I know every word you say is so important.
1: Um, can
0: you hear me okay now? It's a little bit clearer. Is your mic fr- if your mic's from your computer? Just get just get nice and close. Um, can you hear me okay now? It's okay. There's a little bit of feedback, but let's let's go for it. So um, I think um, um, uh, uh,
1: this year, we are very data-driven organization, right? We um, ensure that we look at data for all of the employee metrics, all of the successful employees, and you know, diversity and inclusion, and all of that, right? So this uh, one aspect of data that's very, very critical. But there's also the, the fine, there's a an math and a science to all of this, right? So leaders should be engaged on both levels to make sure that uh, you are not looking at data for the sake of data, but also go deep dive into what that data means and uh, the contextual references uh, that the data provides. So. Uh, looking at numbers, the sake of numbers is not going to be a negative thing. but the contextual references, uh, the key aspect of things, all those are very critical in making a difference um, in the diversity of
0: inclusion. And I'll give you a quick example. Are you able to hear me okay now? There's still, there's like a little bit of feedback and your voice is just a little bit muffled. Uh, let Sorry, just a I know we uh,
1: set everything up. This how is it now? Is
0: it's it kind best? of the same. Like Hello? Is it I can hear you. I just have to concentrate a little bit harder.
1: Why don't you uh, go to Ronalee and I'll go fix this. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. You do some troubleshooting um, on your end. Um, Ronalee, how have you... You've moved to a lot of different big companies. You've moved around the world. You have a very solid approach. You're very clear in who you are and how you want to come in. And I know that it's still really hard. I'm wondering what you do to support yourself to get through change, to get through hard challenges. Like, what do you do to just to stay balanced, to just, to stay true to who you are, and to stay sane. <laughs>
2: Oh, well, there's a lot to unpack. There um, <laughs> <laughs> depends on any given moment. I think the sanity is probably the one that's probably the hardest, um, given this year for everyone. But in all realness, um, it's it's about having a adventurous spirit. I would say is, is one. Right. Um, the only constant is change, and maybe taxes. Um, but if you think about life personally, professionally, you can plan all you want, but things happen. Right. And we all make decisions and we all adapt. Some of those are small things. Some of those are big things, but I kind of approach the big things. Like I do the small things, right. Mm -hmm. In the sense of, all right, things happened. Great. How am I going to make the most of it? So we have to adjust. Um, how do we do it in a way that makes the most sense? And Ultimately, there's a choice with everything. Even when things are thrust our way, um, we choose how we engage, how we respond, how we react. And I choose to do so with a sense of optimism and a belief that everything happens for a reason. And that if I embrace this in the best way possible and make the most of it, that the end is going to be worth it. And I know it's a little you know, theoretical, but, but it served me well throughout uh, my personal and professional life. And when I think about that, I also have a very strong support network, right? Um, my husband has been incredibly supportive and has um, adjusted his career to enable us to move as a family into a variety of different roles in different places around the world. Um, And then I have friends and mentors who I can turn to when I don't see how to overcome something.
1: Mm.
2: Because I'm so immersed in it and so um, enveloped in it that that clarity subsides. And so to be able to have a sounding board of trusted folks um, to, to like show you that little glimpse that says, Hey, here's the way, you know, it inside, you just have to now focus on it and then keep going. Um, and I think that's been incredibly helpful throughout both my personal
0: and professional life, the support system and acknowledging it. Right. I think as women, sometimes it's like, I've got this, I can do it. I don't need help well, man, everybody needs help. Everybody needs people around them that can show them another perspective, can let them know they're rooting for them, can just be there when we're tired and want to just put our head down. I mean, everybody needs a support system. And I think acknowledging that is so important. So, I want to come back to you and my fingers are crossed that you're going to have just the clear audio. Keep me up Oh, my God. Okay, let me try one more. Thing. Okay, you became a robot. You became a robot. Can you hear me now? Hello. Yeah, I think so. That is better. That is better. Just loud and clear. And I think I think we'll get it. I want to ask you the same question that I just asked Ronna Lee about so many changes in your career: nuclear physics degree, then you're working for the state government, now you're CDO of Dish Network. I'm sure some of these changes have been pretty stressful and i'm wondering how you've supported yourself throughout these pretty crazy pivots
1: um i think that every successful woman women leader it, it, it takes a village right it takes a village a uh, family your support system uh, your co-workers uh, everybody comes together to meet that person successful with your children um i keep telling everyone that you know, there's a time when career has to pay and there's a time when kids have to pay. Right? You can't be at every single of their soccer games. It simply is not possible. And I'm like the bad mom where um, I go b- buy store-bought cupcakes uh, and pass it off as home food and I'm okay with that. Right? As long as I'm showing up for all the events that matter, I'm okay with store-bought cupcakes. So we need to make those uh, standards for ourselves, right? I, I don't want to be a martyr, take the cupcakes all morning, come to work, and then be at the event. So I have my standards on the most important thing and on the others, I'm going to compromise. And that's important, right? And, and it's important to be cheerleaders for other women. It's so, so important. You know, so they say, you know, go seek out mentors. I'm like, no, be a mentor yourself, even if you're in the middle management or the lower level management. Any, you can be a mentor to anyone. Um, so take those opportunities for you to be part of someone's life in a very meaningful way. Don't wait for uh, you know, someone to come and be that for you. Right? Um, I heard a quote recently: about uh, uh, diversity and inclusion. Right? Diversity is being invited to the farm, and inclusion is being invited to the lounge." And let's F that, you. Really. You create your own dance floor and a dance like no introduction. You. That's where the power is, right? Don't wait to be invited. Don't wait to be invited to a board meeting. If you have a compelling business, please go present it to the people that take listen, right? Um, there's always room for creative ideas. People have, um, they don't have a chip on their shoulders all the time. Like, right? oh my gosh, don't listen to them. They won't do this. That's all BS. You know, If it's a compelling reason. It's a, uh, a, a good... Thing, um that that you can just go and go, um, go straight to people, and don't be afraid of failure.
0: Fear, uh, fear,
1: right? We, we want to be perfect. Ninety-five percent of the things that women go through, don't do that. Be fearless. That's the most important thing for women. We are holding ourselves back. There's nobody that's literally holding you back. So that's why like, are switching from nuclear physics to being in public sector itself. Don't have a clue about that. And I, I was like, I know technology. That's my core strength. I'll go learn a new field. I'm open to opportunities. I'm open to uh, being um, flexible with where I'm going. I'm not rigid in my thought classes. I'm going to go do a try. And a lot of women uh, want the perfect scenario to walk into. And there's not such a thing.
0: Okay, I'm going to repeat some words of wisdom in case it didn't come through because there were just there was a lot of wisdom in what you just said. But I just want to repeat: dance like no one's watching, and store bought cupcakes. (laughs) We are going to open up. I mean, right? Store bought cupcakes. We're going to open up the Q and A. I'm so excited to do this um, from from our audience. Thank you, audience. We have about less than 15 minutes left. Um, And the first question is for Ronalee, and it's from Madeline. Thank you, Madeline, for this question. Ronalee, how do you find a good mentor and where? I've done a few mentor programs, but nothing has really stuck. What a great question. Yeah,
2: you know what? I think um, there's the formal route and the informal. And personally, I found the informal to be the better one. Um, And I say that because the formal one tends to be forced. Right, and the best mentors are all about chemistry. Um, and so, you know, as women, and I'll speak for myself, it was very difficult for me to learn how to be vulnerable. And what I found later in my career is that there is greater strength in the ability to be vulnerable, but the right type of vulnerability in the right place and having a mentor that you can be vulnerable with and be honest with is going to be the most powerful kind because then they can be honest with you. Um, And it is in that honesty where you get more personalized feedback, advice. And as you know, think about marketing, like with the more personalized and customized it is, the more effective it is. Well, it, it's the same in navigating your career, right? Um, there are the truisms that exist, and then there are the truisms that hit home um, because I am who I am and you are who you are. And the nuances of the feedback from a mentor is what can help take you to the next level. So finding that, going back to the first question, I think first and foremost, lean into your network, right? And say like, hey, this is something I want to help myself with. Do you know anybody that can can be really good at that or can be really good at providing that perspective. And you know me in terms of the type of person I am and the type of person um, where I best hear people. Um, And so is there someone that you could recommend that I just talk to? I think having be vulnerable enough to extend and ask And then be open to the type of people that they're going to recommend that you may have never thought you would have wanted to speak with or connected with. And then suddenly you have that connection is pretty special. And, you know, it's not necessarily approaching someone, hey, will you be my mentor? But rather, hey, can I ask your advice on something? Hey, can I um, get your perspective on something? And it's a start. And then you start with that type of conversation. And then if it clicks and there's chemistry, then naturally both you and that person will want to keep engaging. And then you have a real natural
0: mentoring relationship.
1: Thank
0: you. That sounds better. It, okay. it does sound better. And I have a question for you, Suma, from Lara. Thanks, Lara. Looking back on your career, are there any unexpected partnerships, either short or long-term that propelled you forward in ways you had not considered?
1: Yeah, uh, you... Definitely a great question. Um, the numbers in public sector, uh, you know, there's a lot in public sector that uh, people uh, don't realize happens, right? Um, there's the joint budget committee that uh, moves all the budget for IT. There's the joint technology committee that runs all the technology standards, making sure that with building programs for, uh, uh, you know, accessibility, technology standards that don't get into the um, unethical aspects of technology. So it's a heavily regulated um, environment if you uh, can consider all the things that can happen in public sector. So there were partnerships that helped me a lot, um, including the governor's chief of staff that helped me navigate those waters and said, hey, you do this, you don't do that, right? And that was a mentor, unexpected mentor, that helped me with, uh, with all those things um, lined up uh, for me. Uh, and then that made my technology job easier. And then um, there was a Colorado Technology Association that leaned in heavily to help me um, navigate the world of um, you know the partnerships uh, that are important to me, the public private ship patent, uh, partnerships happen um, easier. Um, right? And we have partnerships with um, the Blind Institute of Technology and other partnerships that were so meaningful to make technology that's accessible, not uh, just to uh, the select privileged few, but to the most vulnerable populations within Colorado.
0: Thank you, thank you. There's another great question. This is from Mel. This is for Ronalee. Wondering as how as you have evolved your career upward, have you ever experienced imposter syndrome? And if so, how have you overcome that?
2: Yes. I'm human. I'm a woman. Um, absolutely, right. Uh, and I think anybody who ever says otherwise is is not being honest with themselves. I think um, throughout every point of your career, especially as you step into something new or something bigger, um, part of that is one, you've absolutely earned it, but then two, there's a lot of unknown, mm-hmm. and that's part. Of continuing in your career and in that unknown you know there's people who say fake it till you make it and I'm like no (laughs) you learn along the way you you fly the plane while you're building it and that's okay right Um, you don't need to know it all and I think that's the part that's helped me get through it is recognizing that there's enough people that believe in me to be in this seat, right? That I've done enough to earn the seat. But I have enough humility to know that I don't know it all and I won't know it all. Um, And that's where I think the best part or the best things that I've been able to do is to surround myself with great experts and partner and learn right and and to be confident in what i do bring to the table but to be honest and open to say hey i need you and your expertise and together we're gonna do awesome right um because i think suma mentioned earlier like it takes a village and it does and so, yes, you oh, go through this crazy. moment where you have self-doubt, um, but you also have that village to balance you and kind of kick you in the pants sometimes to say, okay, like you got this, we got this more importantly. Um, and that's how you kind of pick yourself up together. And, and ultimately nobody ever wins on their own. And so just making sure that you have the right surround sounds and the right people um, where you can be that rock for them and they can be
0: that rock for you. Such great reminders. I mean, it's making me think about my own career. I don't think there's ever been a big step that I took in my career where I didn't feel self-doubt. I mean, at every step I was like, can I do this? can we do this? And you look to the people around you. And I think it's so important to remember you've been put in a role for a reason. You've been asked to do something for a reason. People believe in you and you have something to bring and you have a team to help bring the other things that you don't know yet, which is such sort of just a reassuring reminder. Thanks for the question, Mel. Suma, you're back with us. I am. um, Can I hear you okay? Perfect. Okay, that was Perfect. good. Ooh, I oh, I want to get a I want to get a real juicy question for you. I'm also okay. watching the clock with four minutes left, so this might be our last one. Let's see. This is a good one. This is from Anna. <sighs> have you ever made a mistake in your career? Oh, wait, I already asked you this one. That's how much I loved it. Mm-hmm. Hold on. Hold on. Ooh, I like this one, too. This is sort of a good sum it up from Stephanie. Thank you, Stephanie. What changes in how we work during COVID have been positive? that you wanna continue post-pandemic?
3: That's a great question. Um, we um, at DISH are back in the office and so um, it, it's a hybrid, right? So we are doing a lot in terms of the virtual collaboration with Google Meets for the hybrid uh, uh, workforce and things like that. But I think the best thing that happened during pandemic is um, you know, when we have sessions like this, we would have to travel and um, not everybody would have an opportunity to travel, right? So, um, but I think this has opened up um, opportunities for people across the globe to connect to events that they would tra- wouldn't have been possible with time zones or, you know, traveling to like far off places, hotels, uh, things like that. So I think having virtual collaboration sessions like this in the future is going to be the way to go. And my favorite part of uh, 2020 is this thing. Um, I hope you guys can see it. You're on mute. How many th- times have you said that?
0: <laughs> right. That's my favorite catchphrase of 2020. 2020. Thank you, Suma. Oh, your audio is so much better now. Um, (laughs) Ronna Lee, do you want to add anything to that? Anything that you're going to carry with you from this weird COVID time that's been positive that you want to hold on to?
2: Yeah, it's um, the personal side of the people you work with. How many times have you seen their kid on their lap, my kid, you know, running in behind the screen or the dog or, you know, having, you know, to make lunch over there while you're on a call and just recognizing that we're all people with lives beyond the workplace and that we bring our best selves when it's our total self, right. And not just a part of us and to be able to, um, intently embrace that and remember that and bring that forward post-pandemic, I think we'll all be in a better place.
0: I agree. I feel like there's this informality when you get to see inside of people's homes and their kids and their pets that bring you closer together. And I would like to hold on to some of that sort of warmth in business as we come out of this. I have one uh, small
3: phrase to say. Um, In Sanskrit, uh, I come from India, there's a word called Vasudhaika Kutumbam, uh, means the whole world is my family. And it's literally the whole world is my family. So I think uh, with the pandemic and the virtual connections and, and everybody going through this uh, thing together, right? Before there were parts of India that were going through a, a, a plague or parts of uh, another uh, country with strife and uh, political unrest and stuff. But with this pandemic, we all experienced something together as a humanity. And that to me is very powerful, even though there was a lot of negativity, a lot of uh, stuff. But together as humans, we experienced the same thing in so many different countries. And I think uh, we will be together uh, stronger because of that.
0: That is a beautiful way to wrap this session. The whole world is our family. Thank you, Suma. Thank you, Ronna Lee. I am so inspired by you both. And I'm sure our audience feels the same. That is a wrap on our second episode of View from the C-Suite, Women Leaders in Conversation. And I so hope you will join us again in April when the conversation continues. To find out more about Wong Duty's work transforming businesses through human experience, go to wongduty.com. If you're a woman in the C-suite and would like to be a guest on this show, please reach out to me at womenleaders@wongduty.com.